This is the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. 1037 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Making his way to the podcasting ring. Hailing from the heart of Cajun country. It's me. It's me. It's the world famous CD. Let's ring the bell and get this party started off right. And welcome everyone to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. 1037 Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. And usually we try and stick to just three big topics and three big headlines involving the world of sports entertainment before we get into what happened in the last week or so in wrestling. But honestly, this is going to be a very different episode of the Cage Strong Style Podcast because we're not talking a single solitary moment of what's going on inside the 20 by 20 squared circle because there was so much news that has popped up over the last week that I've honestly got to get to it. I've got to talk about it and so much more. So once again, appreciate you listening in to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. However you're doing so, all the great podcast gimmicks we have out there. Appreciate you listening in that way, along with several other ways. Just appreciate it all the more. But we're going to start with probably the three biggest topics of the week. Then we'll get into some of the other things that have happened. First things first, we talked about it briefly on the podcast last week because the news had just broke, but I want to get into a little more detail about it, get my overall thoughts on it. Now that it's had time to kind of simmer down, and I think this may be the best thing of the week for AEW, is that they're going to be moving to TBS. The AEW franchise is going to be growing its footprint with a move to TBS in January of 2022, and until then... The presence with TNT will remain robust in 2021 with the addition of a new hour-long series called AEW Rampage, debuting on August 13th at 10 o'clock Eastern. According to the release, it says that AEW Rampage is the third hour of high-octane wrestling featuring the world-renowned stars of AEW. In addition, they will debut four new pro wrestling specials annually. Continue to garner and grow AEW's audience until the move to TBS in 2022. And I believe their deal is still until the year 2023. So nothing's changing in terms of the actual length of the contract. I know the money has changed a good bit in the positive realm. So you have that going for you, which is absolutely massive. You're going to have them continue to be bought in into what all elite wrestling brings to the table. And that's something that they desperately need to have this kind of time slot, have it ready to go. And being able to keep it on Wednesday nights. Because that's something I think many fans are going to have to deal with for the better part of a month or two. Is the fact that they're going to have to move over to TBS in 2022. It's going to avoid them running into conflicts. Really outside of I think maybe one play-in game for the NCAA tournament. Which I think they could wind up probably negotiating to have that game be the earlier game. And then AEW is the lead-in which would be huge in terms of the ratings, but also the fact that with the NHL deal, the NHL deal was a big reason why this happened. I feel like that was, everyone kind of thought that was something that could have been in the offing. Maybe you move AEW to Friday nights. Looks like they moved one of their shows to Friday nights at third hour. Thank God Tony Khan had the wherewithal in the brain to go ahead and say, we're not going to do an hour long, a three-hour show. We're not going to do that. WCW did it, they died. WWE did it. They're not dead, but you know nobody really cares about a three-hour raw. I'll admit it. I try to. I, I I love wrestling. You know this. I host a podcast about wrestling. I talk about it all the time. 
But Monday Night Raw is a show that I try and watch, but I don't really keep any notes. Last night, they had a really decent show, but you only had like really one match in particular that stood out. Everything else, relatively speaking, all due respect to the talent involved, it was all about, for me, the match between Xavier Woods and Matt Riddle, which I would love to see a couple more times. But knowing WWE, they're going to run this damn thing into the ground. Because that's what they do. For years, they've been running matches into the ground, and it's starting to come to a head. Case in point, you had Drew McIntyre and Kofi Kingston wrestle for a spot in the WWE title match at Hell in a Cell, which is in June. It's still weird, but it makes sense considering what their plan is. We'll talk about WWE in, like, Actually, what their plan is with their touring schedule, a little bit, a little bit. Don't worry, we'll get to it. But I want to talk about Monday Night Raw for a brief moment here because I'm, I'm probably going to just rant for a while about why I don't like the three hour program. It's better, it's much better as a two hour program. I think ideally, if you're going to be a promotion, a hour show, hour long show like Ring of Honor, what Impact was back in the day. If you can make it work within the time constraints and the brace that you have in the format, it could be a really good thing. Because guess what? You gonna you're gonna have to keep everything to a bare minimum over the course of that hour. You don't have to worry about any filler. It can just be about what goes on in the twenty by twenty squared circle. And hey, tell them go. Like that's one reason I loved back in the day watching Velocity, Sunday Night Heat, all that stuff. One because it was on the weekend. I didn't have a bedtime. And two, in high school, I should say, I didn't have a bedtime back then. And then I was able to watch that, and it was just easily consumable over the course of an hour. And guess what? They also caught you up on what was going on in the main product. Because not every Friday or every Monday night I'd be glued in front of my television. Not every Friday night, surprisingly, I wouldn't be over there, especially during football season. I'd be over at a high school football game on a Friday night. Back then, DVR wasn't really a thing. I wasn't going to go ahead and tape every single SmackDown and Raw, all that stuff. No, I'm just going to want to probably catch the highlights on Velocity or whatever recap show was going on in the early 2000s. That's just how I rolled. But when it comes to it, three-hour Raws are just such a slog, and it's the rerun matches. We saw Asuka and Charlotte last week coming out of WrestleMania Backlash. We saw it again this week. And this time, because Charlotte won, she gets a title shot, yet Nikki Cross beat Rhea Ripley, didn't pin her, but in all sense, you know, in terms of wins and losses mattering, that should actually wind up meaning you get a title shot against the Raw Women's Champion, not Charlotte Flair. But, again, it's all about Charlotte. She's going to bury Rhea Ripley underneath that ring. I guarantee you we're going to see another Raw Women's Championship reign for Charlotte Flair, and she's going to absolutely, like, piss people off to no end because it continues. It continues to be a thing. And I mentioned Drew McIntyre versus Kofi Kingston. That ended due to no contest. They're going to run the match back next week. It feels like every single week, WWE, Monday Night Raw especially, I don't notice it nearly as much with SmackDown, but I think, relatively speaking, they've run matches into the ground. Case in point, the Raw Women's, excuse me, the Raw Women's, the Women's Tag Team Championship match, Tamina versus, Tamina and Natalya against Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. That match has gone on for the better part of a month and a half since WrestleMania. They faced off at WrestleMania 36. They faced off the WrestleMania bef- the Go Home Show before WrestleMania Backlash. This is why that was a dumb idea to call it that. Just my personal opinion. Then you also have 
them have a match, I believe, on SmackDown. Then you had them face off again on Raw, or it was on Raw the next night. And then you had to face off again on SmackDown. Then you had to face off again on Raw for the women's title. Natalia and Tamina retained the main event. So it's about like four or five times over the course of a month you have the same two tag teams in a division that you clearly do not care about being the main event of a three-hour Raw. Monday Night Raw was so much better whenever it was a two-hour show for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes things like drag on on Raw. Case one of the things I hated, especially like early on in the three-hour era, where it was like, oh, hey, if you missed hour one, here's what happened. You, you reset everything. I understand, especially here in sports radio, sometimes you just got to reset the big topics in sports. You got to have a segment dedicated to that so people are all caught up on what's causing all this and why you're talking about this. Two-hour shows are perfect. Three hours are just too much, especially when you don't have enough talent to fill, and it'll never go away, trust me, because USA Network is paying too much money to let that thing go away and go back to being a two-hour show. We'd all love it to be gone, but it's never going away. Doubling back to AEW, the fact that Tony Khan isn't going with a three-hour route, no, mind you, he's got upwards, hypothetically, and I'm hoping this changes once AEW does go on the road and Rampage does indeed start. So hypothetically, you have, I'd say, I'm going to go ahead and pull it up right now because I'm interested. So I'm going to go ahead and pull up the last two Darks and Dark Elevation on YouTube right now and see what the links of those were. Because I don't normally watch those, some because of the fact it's like there's so much wrestling to get to. And at the end of the day, no offense to what a All Eight Wrestling is doing, but I feel like for the most part, it's not necessarily... Like gonna progress a whole lot of storylines. So last last night's at the time of the statement, this is a Tuesday. They had AW Dark Elevation, which featured Rocky Romero. I want to wind up watching that match. By the way, is an hour and forty seven minutes, and then we fast forward to last Tuesday's Dark, which was an hour and fifty five minutes. The previous week's AW Dark Elevation, which featured John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, was two and a half hours. So you've got two and a half hours, like presumably that's two extra hours of programming, probably three hours total of dark and elevation. And now you've got an extra hour to fill. So now you've got presumably six hours of live content each and every week just from one company. Now, mind you, all that matters is what's going to happen inside the 20 by 20 squared circle on TNT and TBS or TBS now in 2022 and once Rampage kind of moves over there because I think it's going to want, and it's going to be a show that follows SmackDown. So in terms of retaining or keeping an audience on that spot, I think this is a step in the right direction, at least to me. And hopefully we can continue that conversation a little bit further down the road about what this means, the future of AEW. This deal is huge in terms of money. But I think it's also huge in terms of moving it over somewhere where it's not going to get preempted nearly as much. The only times I could see it being preempted, I mentioned it again, the NCAA tournament is one prime instance of that actually happening. Because it would have a playing game. I think it's going to be either on TBS or True TV. It probably alternates every year. It's the one time a year where you got to find out what t- channel True TV is on. I had to figure that out. Especially once I got, because I've gotten like a new 
television subscription subscription plan in the last year. So having to like relearn television and relearn the TV guide, that's been a real struggle for me. Because I, I grew up with one, and I was always like knowing, oh, wait, this is exactly what channel it's on. It's never changed. And I'm a creature of habit. I'm used to, I'm used to things not changing all that much. That said, I love what's going on with the fact you have AEW on TBS. And the only other time I, other time I think they'll be able to, they'll run into some issues is during the MLB, MLB postseason in October. But you can still kind of finagle some things around, especially early on in the postseason, because if I'm not mistaken, the NHL season under regular terms usually starts up in like very late October, early November. By the time you get to late October, you're going to wind up being in the World Series, and the World Series is always going to be aired on Fox. You have TBS, they're usually airing you know, the AL or NLCS. It just alternates depending on the year. Divisional series, one wild card game, which wild card games are usually on Monday and Tuesday. And then you've got, obviously, Dynamite will be there. But you also have to deal with the fact it's wild cards. But this will be more of a probably two- or three-day thing, a two- or, two or three-week thing versus a two- or three-month mo- type thing. Is you look at what the NBA is doing with their play-in tournament, then you add in the best of seven series, and every you basically don't have like two games every night. You have like one night you'll have the four-letter network handle business. The next night it's TNT, and it goes back and forth. Like last night, you had Monday night Raw, and they also had Monday night basketball on TNT. Then on Wednesday night you'll have NBA basketball on TNT. And it kind of it just goes back and forth where it's every other day for about a month or, for about a month and a half. And it was to say all those series go like seven games. That's a long time to kind of deal with the fact you're going to get shuffled around, and you're going to be, continue to get shuffled around with the way AEW is. And they're going to get shuffled around. Their go home show is being shuffled to a Friday night at nine o'clock. Thank goodness I DVR these things because I've got a show. Under the Dome at CD that's moving from to 9 to 11. So after I'm done with the show, I'm 100% going to watch that before I get into Double or Nothing. Which, by the way, before I get into any other big news, let me just come right out on Front Street and say, next week's podcast is going to be our one-year anniversary. Technically, the anniversary will happen on June 1st. We're going to drop it on May 31st. We, I'm saying more the royal we, because I'm literally the only person on this podcast. And I'm looking forward to actually reviewing double or nothing but we're also going to make some changes to the podcast format i'm going to make some change some things up make things look brand new we're after episode 60 we're going to consider after episode 60 season two and not not in the literal sense but i'm going to make some changes make sure the show just sounds better more i'd say entertaining because i feel like sometimes you you catch yourself in a little bit of a rut and who doesn't love a little bit of change in terms of the podcast format so again that's gonna be like next week we're going to do the normal Monday tape. I'm going to do a double or nothing review. I'm also working on a retro review, which we're going to include in the episode as well, because I want to do a retro review again. And now that we're getting more stuff on Peacock, especially WCW stuff, that's a little hint right there. Once we get like old SmackDowns up from about 2001 or so, maybe I'll have something else for that summer project, if you will, that I've got kind of in mind. But I am absolutely looking forward 
to seeing what happens with AEW on TBS and see how that turns out. Because let's be honest, all uh, TBS all they've been doing lately is airing you know Wipeout, the new Wipeout with John Cena, and then you also have Big Bang Theory reruns and American Dad. That's all they really have. Like seven days a week, Friends, Seinfeld. That's TBS, and I hate to say it. I think TBS needs that to be able to get some people actually watching the programs because people will probably watch it. I would love to see the ratings for TBS on a regular basis. Because I, and I would like to, again, this is some, me just thinking more outside, is active watching. We, we think about, when you hear about the term active listening, I'd love to see how many people are actively watching TBS or they have it on for background noise. Back whenever, like early on the, during the pandemic, I would watch TBS on a pretty frequent basis, and I'd watch it largely as background noise. I'd maybe look over the TV every now and again, especially during the morning. I'd, like, I'd have friends on, wouldn't really pay attention to it, because I've seen every episode about 50 times. I know what's going on. I know the story, but I don't mind just having it on in the background for a couple hours while I work on some stuff for the show. That's kind of how I am. That's kind of how I work. But it's something I think TBS desperately needs, because it's gotten pretty damn stale and it's been stale for a good while because the fact they've relied so much on having friends family guy american dad all those reruns big bang theory two broke girls the list goes on and on i mean they even have george lopez i think in the mix which is on peacock and i've been enjoying that rewatching that for the first time in a long while but enough about that let's get into wrestling and let's talk about drake words being released it is something that we all expect to happen sooner rather than later, but Drake Wartz was released last Wednesday. This is amongst a lot of other releases in NXT. And they also made some releases more in the front office. I'm not going to get into all the front office stuff outside of one in particular, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but no surprise. The former Drake Younger was the epicenter of a whole lot of controversy with the QAnon stuff that was going on with him. And this is all coming from Fightful Select. This is a big reason why that he was released. It took forever but it actually happened. So Fightful Select put this out on their Patreon and said that several names of the Performance Center claim Drake has had nuclear heat brought on by himself for the better part of a year. Better part of a year. And this follows instances where WWE had to warn him about attending events without a mask and not being vaccinated and quote-unquote several attempts for political plays. What the hell's going on with that? In regards to p- political plays... The roster was well aware that Wirtz had been trying to position himself for certain roles within the company and was willing to put heat on others to get there and try to numerous times. And there was one instance where he got in a fight with now former WWE superstar. We'll talk about him in a minute, but EJ, I'm hoping to pronounce this right, EJ Duca, also known as Ezra Judge, almost feeling the need to get physical with Drake. There are numerous times when talent, specifically people of color, went to NXT higher-ups about situations like this. And words really gained a crap ton of heat, again, this is coming from Fightful Select, at NXT TakeOver In Your House, where the story of his behavior circulated. Triple H gave a speech in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement, which saw him say, and this is paraphrasing here, that all people, races, genders, and religions were welcomed. And when religions were mentioned, Wurtz's attitude immediately changed, and he said, I'm out. And he, he, walked, he gathered his belongings and walked out on the show. Absolutely flabbergasted by the fact that actually 
was one of the many reasons why he was eventually fired. And, of course, he was sent home, if I'm not mistaken, after he showed up at a town hall, and not an AEW Dynamite town hall, an actual town hall city council meeting, and started skewing even more of this stupid rhetoric. Drake Wirtz is literally the worst person in WWE. And that's saying something because they, they released another guy later in the week who had worse reputation and has made stuff even worse this week. And we're talking about the development team dream, which is the next big headline. He got released, finally, after almost a year of all this crap going down with him being released by the WWE after investigation, after investigation, after investigation. Triple H's big pet project is finally gone for WWE. And this all kind of starts with some of the allegations that came out during the Speaking Out movement that started out back in June 2020. And Velveteen Dream was caught up in that alongside, I'd say, Jordan Devlin. Matt Riddle as well, but I think Matt Riddle was a little bit lessened because of finding out the person was a little, maybe, I'm not going to say she was crazy, but based off of the reports that I've read, maybe, you know, things just, things worked out to where he came out smelling like a rose or smelling like something that he would smoke. Let's go ahead and put it that way. But Velveteen Dream got released, and then he had an Instagram story that came out. And he focused heavily on those allegations. And I'm not going to read you the entire thing because that's about an hour long. But he tweeted out, he posted this on Instagram, and it's an entire, like, thing. So he said, until I was accused by Joshua Fuller, unlike Jacob, I knew Josh. These are the two guys that basically he was involved in in these quote-unquote sexual DMs. And they developed a friendship through a mutual trainer at GXW. And Josh shared Twitter screenshots of the first time we communicated through text, an autographed picture from when we met, and an extremely contradictory story. Josh alleged that I made him feel uncomfortable, but contradicts himself twice by saying I was never sexual towards him. For those willing to research Josh's tweet accusing me, Josh's messages are in blue and mine in gray. This is a whole Instagram story, but I'm just reading the text itself. And Josh claimed he was a 16-year-old high school graduate that takes yearly trips to Orlando, Florida. And I doubted what he told me, yet I keep my, kept my replies diplomatic and professional. Reality of the situation is I was very helpful and respectful to Josh. Josh ha- lives with his grandparents in Maryland and got a concussion in 2017 and, against my advice, insisted on wrestling. My worry came from Josh severely injuring himself, specifically his brain, and I told him to take time off from training to see a doctor. He declined because he believed he could work through the concussion, which was a dumb idea. And he cut all communication with him in 2018 because I because he didn't want to be partially responsible for how he had worsened his injury. So to have him accuse me of predatory behavior because I chose not to help was spiteful. And Josh and Jacob are two of the many people that he's helped, according to his, again, IG story. Yet these are the only two that have found me to be malicious and predatory in how I go about helping others. What wasn't shared at that time was Josh reached out to Jacob over social media before Josh put out his own accusation. And when this came out, he temporarily deleted his Twitter account. And that's important because in all the social media confusion, Josh is the only one who suggested that an investigation had not been done and that he, had not been, that he being Patrick Clark, had been convicted. Jacob deactivated his social media shortly after he was outed for being a member of an anti-black group chat. There's a public forum where WWE... LPSG, I, I'm, I'm guessing that's what that means. I couldn't tell you off top. I'm sorry. 
but people are buying and selling explicit photos of multiple wrestlers and no one has done anything to have this site taken down. And he goes, you know, dream is officially over, but Patrick Clark lives to fight another day. It's an absolute mess, and it continues to, I think, get worse. And this may maybe hurt him even more. And it saying something considering the fact that you have freaking Drake Wirtz teaming up with Matt Morgan, former, oh boy, former WWE superstar, former TNA superstar, Matt Morgan. And I remember who else is a part of it, but it's some, like, if you think about outlaw mud shows that we hear from Jim Cornette, we hear that phrase, him mentioning all the time, outlaw mud shows. This may be the definition of outlaw mud show to where you'd be able to put the picture right next to it, the freaking picture of what an outlaw mud show could look like. And I was blown away by this. The fact that you have these guys, and it's all under the guise of the QAnon stuff, that was like, okay, you're going to wind up just doubling down on this, aren't you? And this is like the first thing that he's going to go ahead and do. And again, I'm not saying, you know, don't believe what you want to believe, but he's going ahead and going to resume his entering career, and it's called Take Down Trafficking, a benefit for bikers against trafficking. Don't get me wrong. The trafficking stuff is great, but at the same time, there is 100% some stuff about this that is absolutely suspect. And in fact, you got Matt Morgan and Loki, two real big geniuses in the pro wrestling industry, especially Loki, who keeps complaining every time somebody uses his finisher. You stole my finisher. No, you did. I, come on now. Like this is dumb. And this guy, but again, then again, this is a guy that worked for CZW, Dragon Gate USA. Drake Anger was a hell of a hand in the ring, but now I'll, I, I'll admit, it. there are guys out there that I watched and I've respected in terms of an in-ring competitor. But some of the stuff that's come out over the last year or so has made me really question how much I actually like these guys. Case in point. I'd say Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan was a guy that I enjoyed watching his match. Now that all the stuff came out, I just, I shake my head at him. Mike Quackenbush. We had him on the show the very first episode almost a year ago. I've apologized for that episode. I've atoned for it. It'll still be up in the archives because of historical purpose and more importantly, the fact that it wasn't about his career or any of it. It was more about cinematic wrestling and kind of how the state of wrestling has changed since the pandemic. We talked a little Chikara as well. But even then, I'm like, I see his number, I see his name on my contact list. And I was like, I just have this feeling. And I hate to say that because I've enjoyed Chikara for years and it just has this like sour taste in my mouth. Same with like during the pandemic over on Stadium, which we simulcast all our programming here locally, I sit there and it's like, especially during the pandemic, and they, show Marty Skrull on a regular basis in these reruns of some of his best matches. I get a little upset some of you as I hear all, I remember all the stuff that was said about him, all the allegations around him. And then there's Flip Gordon, who's a complete jackass to begin with. And then he's up front about it. He, I mean, he's an upfront jackass. I'll give him credit for that. But the fact they're doing this under the guise of, oh, hey, you know, stop human trafficking. Great idea, but there's very much some QAnon ish going on if you will and then you also saw along with drake Wirtz and velveteen dream in the middle of all that you also had a lot of others released including alexander wolf 
who had been written off of television the night before. Turns out his contract expires next month, so he's going to go ahead and let that thing run out, and then he'll have a no-compete He won't have a no-compete clause. So he can show up anywhere at any given time. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then you also have Ezra Judge, not saying it was the reason for the release, but he got in a fight with words, as I mentioned earlier. Kind of makes you wonder. But I hope he gets back on his feet. Ezra Judge looked had, had a great look. I think he'll come back in a few years and be on another level. Skylar Story or Brandy, Brandy Lauren, she got released. Vanessa Bourne, Jasmine Duke, who still has a part with Up, Up, Down, Down, because it's Xavier Woods' thing, despite the fact that it is under the WWE banner, but Jasmine Duke will be part of that continuing after she got let go. And then... Kavita Devi, she's got released. And then Jake Clemens, who, if you don't know who that is, that was Seth Rollins' ref from a while back. So, yeah, that like, it was a crazy week in terms of people letting go. It was more bloodletting of NXT guys, more those that, you know, the old saying goes, creative has nothing for you. We see all those guys do get let go. Very intriguing. But I was blown away, especially by Alexander Wolf, because he was just on NXT the night before. Then he winds up getting released on Wednesday after we find out that words got released. And then, like, after that, it's almost like a Friday news dump. We talk about it all the time in the business. There is a Friday news dump, and this felt like, you know, the Friday news dump of all Friday news dumps. And it was, I, yeah, it was on a Thursday. It was the next day after all the other people got released. And there was one more release that I'm just going to kind of bring up because. It was interesting to see that one pop up. And it's WWE parting ways with Adnan Verk. And according to WWE, they said they mutually agreed to part ways thanks to Adnan Verk for all of his work over the last two months. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, why did this happen? But apparently, Adnan Verk actually put out a response. I'm trying to find it right now. Because I had it. I had it lying around here. Okay, so he said, thanks to WWE for a wonderful opportunity. The weekly travel along with my other jobs was a, was a grind for me and my family and grateful to everyone with the company, especially Graves and Saxton for being such a fantastic teammate. It makes you wonder, why, like, how did he not know that WWE was going to be going back on the road before too long? This felt like the inevitability. Like at the end of this, that's like this was what was going to happen. You were going to see everybody's favorite pro wrestler, everybody's least favorite pro wrestling announcer, I should say, because nobody, not a single cat, liked this guy. He was a bit of a joke, and overall, I'm interested to see how it's all going to work, how it's all going to kind of move for WWE without Adnan Verk, especially as they get ready to hit the road. I talk about them hitting the road. They officially announced this last week. I think it was a day after I finished taping the podcast. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. And I almost felt like between, again, there was so much news, I almost wanted to do a bonus episode of the podcast, but decided against it. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because it was just like, there was so much going on in the world of sports and sports entertainment. That's why I'm not talking like anything outside of maybe like touching base on Raw like we did earlier. I'm just going to go ahead and talk about what I noticed and what I observed. 
And they basically said, hey, here's our big news. We're going to go ahead and move forward with live events. And they're going to start it with a big tour starting on July 16th. The go-home show for Money in the Bank is going to be in Houston, Texas at the Toyota Center. That's going to be starting off three straight shows in the state of Texas. They're going to go from Houston to Fort Worth for Money in the Bank on Sunday at the Dickies Arena. And then to the American Airlines Center over in Dallas on July 19th. Additional tour stops and dates will be coming in the next few weeks. And it further proves, AEW is the first one out there. That's huge. Like Everything about the way things stand in the sport of pro wrestling, no matter what, Vince McMahon cannot, and he can technically say he did, because of the fact that he had the first show with like a good capacity of fans. I think it was at like 50,000 total over the course of two nights. It was like 25,000 or so for both nights. He can say he had a packed house because 25,000, you probably wouldn't be able to fit that in a typical arena. So I think he can come away and say, hey, technically we did do this. Come on now. Right, you got to root for it. But the fact that you have AEW, they're the first ones to really plant their flag and say they're running live shows before WWE. That's a really really cool shot towards the state of pro wrestling. But what I'm more interested in is, is John Cena going to come back? Because John Cena, according to a lot of reports, is planning on coming back before SummerSlam. And the plan is he could come back for the go-home show, be the first live event. Why not bring out somebody big and make that announcement for that particular SmackDown. That way you can drum up as much interest as possible and have him open up the show. That would be one hell of a way to kind of get people interested and get people to get out there. But again, the fact we're getting live events back and there's been no word about how much attendance or how much, you know, we got like people in the arena, how many, like, all the stuff. We don't know anything about what's going on with the state of attendance or what have you. We just know they're doing live events. Presumably, especially because of the fact that it is the state of Texas and they are been pretty much full bore for the better part of like a month. I wouldn't be surprised if this is going to be a live event in front of a hundred percent attendance, a packed house. They just did one at the Toyota Center a couple weeks ago for UFC and a hell of a card. And that live crowd was so great. I am just I'm looking forward to it. Now the question is, will I go to a show? Like As of right now, I'm not vaccinated, full disclosure. I'll go ahead and just put that out there. But I am going to be. By the time, I think, SmackDown, by, by the time everybody starts to do live events again, especially in the state of Louisiana, because pro wrestling is coming back to Louisiana. I saw pro wrestling 225 is even doing a show at Como right before the start of college football season. That might be something on the list of things to go do. Obviously, once I get the two shots and all that stuff, I am 100% going to go do that because I want to go watch pro wrestling especially independent wrestling I want to go enjoy that again and more importantly get in touch with people start start building relationships with these wrestlers but I can't wait for it I cannot wait for it and I cannot wait for next week we're dropping a Memorial Day podcast recapping double or nothing and also a special retro review looking back at something that happened 25 years ago not on that particular date Pretty dadgum close, and more importantly, pretty dadgum cool. So we are about to get out of here. Hopefully you enjoy the podcast, and more importantly, 
if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe, however you do so, on whatever podcast giving that you use. And also, leave us, like Rob Van Dam, not a five-star frog splash, but a five-star review. And until then, this has been the Cajun Strong Stop Podcast. Enjoy all the pro wrestling. Take it easy.